0: If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn uh, once again with me to John chapter 13. If you were with us last week, I'm going to be reading the exact same passage that we read for last week's sermon. Uh, It's on page 900 of the Blue Bibles, if you'd like to look there, or in your bulletins, if you'd like to follow along. Last week, as we looked at this passage, Can we say it without it being too much of a pun? We bathed with the disciples in the love of Jesus that was outpoured as we read through this. And we we saw that first verse in John chapter 13, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And we saw that not only is this immediate passage here, this washing of the disciples' feet, but really this entire section, That serves as a description of it. What is on display here is the love of Christ for his own, and it is a beautiful thing to see. Today, as we look at this text, we're going to follow along with Jesus as he, having washed their feet, then turns to the disciples with this question, do you understand what I have done to you? Now, on the surface, washing feet isn't that difficult to understand. But Jesus wants them to get it. He wants them to think about what has happened here. Do you understand what it is that I have done to you? Do you understand how this expresses my love for you? And in particular, do you understand what the call is on your life in light of what I have done for you. So hear the word of God, John thirteen, one to twenty. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not now speaking of all of you, I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your humility that is on full display in this passage. And we pray that you would help us your people to get it and to grow into it and to do it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, in God's good providence, we have a text set before us today that dovetails beautifully with a day in which we have publicly received new members into Christ the King Presbyterian Church. Our confession of faith teaches us that saints, that's all of us here who profess faith in Jesus Christ, that saints by profession, by profession is what we have just done together, professed our faith together, that by profession we are bound together. We're tied up together there are covenantal bonds that have been established between and among the members of this congregation. And, and just understand this, we're not here in the way that a crowd gathers at a sporting event or a crowd goes to see a concert because they all happen to like the same thing, the same music, the same artist, the same sports team. We're not here in that way we have specifically made vows and pledges to one another. Now, those who joined the church did that in a particular way today, and of course, uh, uh, Joel and Esty did it with respect to the children, and then we too took vows and made promises with respect to Charlie and Rose and helping Joel and Esty to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are Bound together. Now, to be sure, we're bound together for many things, but one of the clearest things which we're bound together to do is to serve one another. We have made pledges to each other before the Lord to serve each other, and we have freely bound ourselves in servitude to one another. One can say, that voluntarily we have become bondservants of one another within the church. I I hope that's not a surprise to any of you who just joined today. I I hope that didn't catch you unaware, but that's what we've done. Naturally, of course, as sinful men and women, we, like the disciples, we prefer uh, places of honor, uh, places of respect, and places of dignity and recognition, Uh, Naturally, each one of us is inclined to do what we would like to do without being told by someone else what to do or where to go or when to do it. Naturally, it is within us to want to claw our way to the top, or if not to claw our way to the top with respect to the church, at least to claw our way to some unobtrusive place in a corner where we can kind of be left alone. We can kind of set our own schedule, our own agenda. We can kind of participate in things that we'd like to do and not do other things where we wouldn't feel like we were actually bound to one another. Jesus, on the other hand, clawed his way to the bottom. He got down as low as he could go. Now, before we look specifically at the text today as an example in the way that Jesus intends it, there's something that we have to recognize that Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah and our Redeemer, he is unique as our Redeemer and what he does as our Redeemer is unrepeatable. It's not something that we can do. He is unique. He does the work of laying down his life for the disciples, and the cleansing that he offers to them, the cleansing that he offers to us, is unique to what he is able to do through his shed blood. That's not something that we can do ourselves, but though we aren't called to be what he alone is, we are at least called to follow in the path that he has laid out, to imitate him in the things that he has done to follow in the steps of our Lord. And let me just say that as as we continue on here, The order of what I just said is critical. It's critical for your salvation. It's critical for joy that we will have in life. And and what I mean to say is what we need to recognize in the first place is that we need this Savior who will, in just a few short chapters, in a few short hours, in terms of what's going on here, lay down his life for the disciples. We need him as our redeemer in the first place. We need the cleansing that only he can bring. And then secondly, and essentially, not as an option, but secondly, we seek to follow the pattern that he has established for us. And both things are at work in this text today. A uniqueness to what Jesus is doing, and yet the application of it to us. The command that he gives to us to imitate it. So today, an example of what to do, number one. Secondly, knowing what to do. And number three, doing what we know we should do. We begin then with this kind of clear and unambiguous statement by Jesus in verse 15 of our passage I have given you an example in this case he didn't tell them a parable in this case he didn't give them a long discourse in this case he didn't do something to someone else and ask them to apply or extract the lessons from what he had done to someone else and apply it to themselves in their own lives in this case he did it to them he humbled himself he got up from the table he took the form of a servant he tied the towel around himself and he washed their feet it was hands-on it doesn't get any more hands-on training than this example from our Lord Think of this for a moment. What what if Jesus had only taught them here? What if he had only said to them, You should wash one another's feet, but hadn't washed their feet? Now, there are plenty of times when instruction can come without actually doing at the exact same time. That can be the case. But how different would it have been if Jesus would have said to them, Here's a book on servanthood. Read this, and it'll teach you how to be a good servant? No. In this case, what Jesus did is wanting to give is one, he wanted to give them a living example, in flesh and blood, God in flesh and blood before them, of what it was like to serve another people. And for the rest of their lives, surely they would remember this moment: the moment when the Lord of Heaven and Earth got down on his knees grabbed their feet, poured the water over it, washing them, and then toweling them off. Jesus did it. The example was emblazoned on their hearts, engraved in their lives. Our Savior was flesh and blood, and they would always remember that he's as real as the hands that were on their feet, their own dirty feet, the towel, the water, that's what Jesus did for them. Thou who art God, beyond all praising, the hymn says, all for man's sake, all for love's sake, came down, stooping so low. That could have been a great title for the sermon today, stooping so low. He took the task that was reserved for the lowest of the low. And he said, I'll do that. He didn't say to his disciples, listen, who was responsible for the foot washing today? He didn't say, can you go out and get the servant, the slaves in this household and bring them in so that they can wash our feet. He took it upon himself and he did it. And he said, I am have given you an example. I've given you an example of what to do. And he washed the feet. He washed the feet of those whom he loved to the end, but those very same people were the the ones who were going to deny him, and in fact, one of the ones whose feet he washed was the one who was going to betray him. Secondly, secondly, Let's consider knowing what to do. As I pointed out last week when we looked at this text and we were considering together, the love that Jesus has for his own knowing is a critical idea that is part of this text and this chapter. Remember, remember in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus goes to the house of a Pharisee and a woman comes into the house and while they are at the table, this woman gets at the feet of Jesus and with her tears begins to cry over the feet of Jesus and and wash his feet and then dry, not with a towel, but dry his feet with her hair and anoint his feet with oil you remember the response of the pharisee who is there and who's looking at it and who's kind of sneering at this entire thing the response that he says is if this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for he's a pardon me for she is a sinner see if he were a prophet he would have known And when we come to this text here, John wants to make it crystal clear. Jesus knew what he was doing, and he knew to whom he was doing it. There's no unclarity for Jesus in what is taking place in this text. I read this one again last week. Verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean, are clean. But the question turns around. The, the, the question really isn't, does Jesus know what he's doing? Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows to whom he is doing. The question is, do you know what he's doing? That's what, that's what he asks them. Do you know, do you understand what I've done to you? Now, as this text begins and works its way through. Peter doesn't, right? Peter doesn't understand what is taking place here. He, he, he seems to think that Jesus has gone a bit overboard, that Jesus has taken things just a little bit too fo- far. And, Je- and Peter, in observing this, looks at it and says this task that, that Jesus has taken on is beneath the dignity of the man, It's beneath the dignity of the office to get down and to wash the feet of these men. This, for Peter, is a serious breach of decorum. And so Jesus says to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. See, Peter didn't get it. He didn't know what was happening at that very moment. Now, in one sense, when we read that, we go back to what I said earlier. Uh, This understanding for Peter, the full implications and the full understanding of what is taking place here won't happen for him. It won't happen for him until after the cross and after the resurrection comes and Pentecost. He won't understand it. And, And part of the reason for that is that the the breach of decorum that is the cross is going to make this breach of decorum in washing their feet seem tame in comparison. The cross is the thing that's going to enlighten what Jesus has done right here. But, but there is a lesson that can be learned now and that Jesus wants to teach them now on this side of the cross, and that's why he asks them the question, do you understand what I have done to you? And in answering it, Jesus affirms his office and their understanding of his office. He affirms, right? You call me Lord and teacher, and you're right because that's exactly what I am. I am your teacher, and I am your Lord. You're right about those Things And in fact, they're essential to the point that I'm trying to make in this example. As the one with the higher office and position and rank, he got down and served. And since the servant is not greater than the master, you should do or you should double do what you have seen me do. You should watch and understand what I have done. I, the one who holds the higher rank, have served you, and you should do that. And that's the call, then, for Christians in every age of the church, in every place around the world, for Christians who have any place of position, any leadership at all, whether that leadership be of a Sunday school class or perhaps of a committee Or of a family, or whether that leadership be the position of teaching in the church, or serving as a deacon in the church, or an elder in the church, or of which I, as a pastor, am one of those elders, Christians should be in a competition to get to the lowest spot, to outdo one another in getting low. The disciples, as the other Gospels make clear, even on this night, the disciples are jockeying for position. They're trying to elbow one another out of the way. They're trying to establish themselves as the most important disciples. The most important not only in this life, but the most important in the world to come. Jesus' point is this. If you want... To jockey for position, so be it. Jockey for the position that you just saw me in. Jockey to get in the lowest position. And, and the reality is you'll find it awfully easy to get there. You just have to bend down. And you'll find it easy to be in that spot. And for the sake of clarity, let's just say this. The call for us isn't literally to wash feet though sometimes we might need to do exactly that, even in our world. Moms and dad wash the feet of their young children when we get injured. We may need to have our feet washed by someone else. When we get older, we may need those whom we love to care for us and to wash our feet. So maybe the call is literally sometimes to wash feet. But of course, the point is to seek out opportunities So we have in this passage the example of what to do, and then the knowing of what to do. But of course, there's one more thing, and that last thing is the doing of what we know we should do. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, I've given you an example that you should also do. And then verse 17. If you know these things, great, but blessed are you if you do them. Having your feet washed by Jesus, at least as it relates to the example side of this story, is actually not the point. Knowing and understanding why Jesus washed their feet is actually not the point Of the example doing it is the point and it's really simple the call is to wash feet to do it to serve in the way that you've seen me do it we you and I live in a culture that caters to us every product every advertisement promises to us greater convenience or greater comfort greater ease greater access we look for people or for apps to do things for us so that we don't have to do them we look for people to mow our lawns we look for people to take care of our bushes we look for people to take care of our houses and clean our houses we look for services to do the shopping for us. We look for people to prepare our food. We look for people to deliver our food to us so that we don't have to do it ourselves. We are accustomed to being served. That's what we're used to. We're used as a culture to being served. And we need to see how that has in fact shaped us. Now we still culturally extol volunteerism and helping, but when it comes to the dirty work of serving, we do not do that well. As our, our culture has bent us towards ease rather than actually doing. And we need to see that so we can resist it and so that we can be reformed to serve. For Jesus, the serving that he did was the serving of washing their feet and the serving of laying down his life for them. For you and for me, that call is not exactly the same for us. The call is to take baby steps in learning how to serve. Small steps in serving is the call of our day. Small steps that will retrain us, reform us, Rehabituate us, get us to pay attention to things so that we learn to serve other people. So that we can hear prayer requests that come from the church or prayers that are made in the church or needs that are made known in the church and so that we, having taken baby steps, can say to ourselves, how can I respond to that? Whether it was said from the pulpit, you need to call this person and see if they need a meal. You need to see if you can go and watch this person's children so that you can begin to hear those things and act like a servant. You take baby steps towards them. And so, beginning in your homes and beginning in the church, what's a small step you can take? What's a small little thing you can bend down low to do? to serve your brother, to serve your sister, to serve your mom or your dad, your husband or your wife. It is literally as simple as when you get up, look around your space and see what's left behind and grab something and throw it away. Take small steps for service because what Jesus says is, for those who know it and those who do it, I am promising blessing to them. That's what he says. For those of you who will take this example, understand what it means, and then do something about it, I will bless you. And now, of course, since he has given up his life in service, since he has risen from the dead, we have at work within us right now, not only the example of Jesus, but the power of his indestructible life, the power of his resurrection life that secures our glory, that allows us to get down low and to serve in his name. We are bound. We sang a song earlier. That's a sing-songy kind of song. It has a bit of sentimentalism to it. But it doesn't start off in a place that is sentimental. It says, blessed be the tie that binds. That's the idea here. We're, we're tied. We're bound together. We've taken it upon ourselves in the name of Christ to serve one another. And serving one another is the outworking of the love of Christ and how he loved his own to the end. Blessed be the tie that binds. Jesus said, do just as I have done to you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for our lives and for this place. And we pray that you would help each of us to remember that we are tied together as a church, as people who are committed to loving one another and to serving one another. Give us eyes to see, minds to understand, and then by your grace help us to do and bless us as we do, Lord, as you've promised. And we pray in your name. Amen.